Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields. Go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. Join the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe and comment on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube even, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. Make sure you give us a five-star review, even if you don't mean it. I'm joined in person by... Hey, everybody. It's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And digitally by... At least every so often, John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, sitting in a crisp 68-degree basement, which is a bit too chilly for my tastes, in the midst of a Nebraska heat wave. I don't know. It's it's just Nebraska. I don't know what the big fuss is about, but I'm here and not melted. It is, it so, is pretty hilarious. Yeah. The last, what? I've noticed that the last three years is the news media in the summer keeps... Because they have to push their their quote unquote climate change agenda. Every summer they're writing headlines of "Holy crap, it's hot in summer!" Right? Everybody panic. <laughs> Even though, let's say the global warming thing were true, like man made global warming, uh, more people are killed by cold every year than they are by hot. So mm. you should want it to be hot all the time, in terms of people keeling over. But we digress. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose that's fair. But yeah, like the whole, it's hot! Yeah. Everybody panic. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. We're in South Carolina in August. Of course it's going to hit 95 <laughs> degrees with 140% humidity. This is just I a mean, way of life. To be fair, like what's today, like right now at 1022 in the morning, it's uh, 89 degrees. It's supposed to get up to 102, 103. Sorry, I didn't Ooh. mean to minimize the impact i don't know that we've hit 100 um, this summer yeah we, oh, have. we, we, we had a, we had 100 all the t- like we had 100 all the time what's your humidity and, like there oh geez um like right now it's soup 65 percent. yeah um and it'll it'll go up so um, you need a boat just to go outside yeah it's it gets it gets steamy and you know a lot of times that's it's because of the corn uh and well it is it is it's a lot of it's because what i'm told at least i don't speak from authority uh on this but from what i'm told with all the crops in the midwest when it's hot that boils off some of the moisture or of causes the moisture to evaporate i suppose is more accurate in some of the fields with all the irrigation and everything too i'm not sure if it's actually coming out of the crops or from the irrigation but regardless all of that is going into the atmosphere well we've learned Um, something today there we go. And now you know. Da, da, da. So uh, let's just radically shift gears uh, from humidity and <laughs> climate hoaxes and all that good stuff into uh, we were going to talk about the monergism versus synergism thing today, uh, but we're a little shorter on time than normal. And there was a good question in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook kind of asking about church live streams. How... What's the approach? Have they overstayed their welcome even? Um, I know a lot of churches, including ours, started live streaming them uh, during the virus that shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> but what are some pros and cons? What's the goal? Does it do more harm than good? Uh, are they worth doing? I, I think, I mean, I'm open to really any and everything at this point. So, 
What do we think? John, what I does mean, your church do at this point? Well, we still do a, a live stream. Uh, although, so we have a live stream and we live stream all one of all three of our services. So we have two on our main campus. We have, you know, 211, which is the one that does the movie things. Not as much as they did. I want to. I want to. Maybe steps in the right really direction are still in the right direction. A positive trend line here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Luther was pretty quick with the Reformation. For some of us, it takes a while. All right, so <laughs> yeah. give me some patience. Quit razzing me. I only log into Facebook like twice a month, and I don't need. I don't need whatever you're sending me. You know, people on the Westminster Effects Doxology Lounge on Facebook, and I'm glad that's my legacy, by the way. That annoyingly long name. Yeah, um, that's all your. But fault. yeah, so we have two. We have two eleven. We have Sanctuary, which is more of a, it's more of a traditional context, and then we have two eleven uh, south from our Yankee Hill campus, and so we live stream one service time of each of those. There was a time, and they may still do it. I don't interact with the live stream because I go to church at church, but there was a time at least where we had kind of somebody in we had a chat going like an interactive uh sort of oh so glad you're here sort of you know thing and people could ask questions and it was supposed to be like a discussion forum uh but as lutherans we don't talk in church <laughs> unless it's written in the front of the hymnal so <laughs> i don't think it got much traction other than you know, oh, so nice to be here saying hi from Albuquerque or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so we, we've never really had the idea of a digital campus. I mean, there's no additional efforts of caregiving above and beyond or, or different than what we have for, you know, in-person participants. Uh, Potentially less. I, I really can't speak to that. Uh, but I don't believe that chat's a thing anymore. It might be. I, I really don't know. But it just keeps going. It's kind of a, a thoughtless thing at this point. Not to say it's not intentional. I mean, the stuff's... We still make sure that we get a somewhat decent product out of it. Um, but with 211 in particular... Uh, at least 211 Central, when it when the new facility was built in, you know, mid-2000s, it was built with kind of live streaming and media rich in mind. Uh, so even before we did live stream, we had, you know, cameras doing iMag, you know, Im image magnification. Mm -hmm. um, and our facility really isn't big enough for that. Like, it's, it's not. Uh, but it exists uh, because whoever the leadership was at that time, um, plus I'm sure significant discounts from the media company that was kind of raised out of our church went that direction mm -hmm. and it's fine. It, it's not a distraction and it's sometimes it's helpful, right? Especially when there's, uh, you know, like Sunday school things and the kids are on stage and, you know, you want to be able to see all of them, you know, things like that are helpful, but we were the point of it. We were always set up for that. So when COVID came around, all we really had to do was take that and pipe it into a kind of a streaming box that would combine the the mixed down audio with the finished video and Bob's your uncle, right? Uh, we don't we don't mix separately for the live stream. We don't video produce separately for the live stream. Uh, 
we, I mean, we do take a summed mix on submasters out of the main mixing console and kind of adjust them. You know, we bring certain things forward and certain things back in general for what sounds better recorded than it would in in the live room. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's not done live. It's kind of a preset thing. And two eleven South at Yankee Hill, very similar. Uh, and then Sanctuary uses you know PTZ cameras, and uh, I think there is someone that runs the cameras for that because in the 211s we have camera operators because of the iMag, but in Sanctuary we didn't have that. So that stuff's still all ongoing, but it's not talked about as, boy, we really need to engage with the online people more mm-hmm. or or anything like that. It's just a nice-to-have thing. And one more thought before I, I turn it over. And that nice-to-have thing does have some evangelistic worth, call it. During COVID, the, sorry, I would, I'm not supposed to say that. Maybe not. Actually, you're not monetized. I mean, kind of, but like not by the platform, so it's fine. Content, whatever. <laughs> um, we're all used to YouTube. I can't say it because I'll get demonetized. Um, but uh, yeah, during, uh, during the, the great cough of 2020 to 2022, <laughs> there were multiple people in we saw in western Nebraska, right? Uh, one thing people should know about Nebraska is that Lincoln and Omaha and along the interstate is where the population is, mm-hmm. right? Everything else is mostly uh, agriculture, uh, ranch land, that sort of stuff. I mean, very sparse in western Nebraska. And a lot of people from western Nebraska were looking for a live stream um, for church, which is great. I mean, seeing that kind of intentionality when perhaps they're their own congregations weren't meeting or their municipalities wouldn't allow it, which is not their prerogative, but that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, they started watching ours, and we've had several baptisms now of people who started watching um, during the cough cough and came to Lincoln, sometimes an eight-hour drive from northwestern Nebraska, mm to be baptized in what they consider to be their family of faith. That was, you know, that was a little mind, mind boggling a little bit. I was yeah. like, hold on. Huh. You don't, I mean, you, you don't know this community, but they feel that they do because we're very, you know, we don't put up a, a show. Like I said, the, the live stream thing is just a recreation of what we do. It's not like we're preaching for the camera. We're not playing for the camera. Right. Uh, so, <clears throat> when we have high school students come up and talk about their mission trip, when we have kids come up for the blessing of the backpacks at the beginning of school, all that's captured because that's what we do in our community. And they get to perhaps not participate, but they get to consume it mm-hmm. in a similar way that, that someone in the congregation uh, physically might be able to. And so that was kind of cool is they, started with that and they're like i mean they had a philip in the ethiopian moment right it was like why shouldn't i be baptized let's drive to lincoln and i think that was pretty cool hmm. yeah it's honestly fairly similar to what we do here at resurrection church in greer south carolina resfaith.com uh for those of you who want to see things that are going on uh but before covid we didn't do any live streaming no right we, we just recorded the sermon and that mm-hmm. was it Yep. Uh, and then that will be uploaded later onto Vimeo. 
not Vimeo. Uh, yeah, we were using we we still use Vimeo. Okay, and, yeah, but it would we we would put the file on our website. Or, yeah, or link it or embed it or whatever. Yeah, and so and I think we still do like a podcast feed for the sermons, right? Yes. Okay, so that's been a thing for a while, but once once the the great cough hit, uh, then we invested in a little bit of uh, yep. very baseline yep. equipment, and it's it's just a static shot of our first service. Correct? Yes. Uh, like it doesn't move. It's it's also John, like your church. It's not the mix isn't tweaked for the live stream, right. and we don't consider it an online campus. It's really for people who are checking it out, people who can't make it, who are sick, uh, shut-ins, stuff like that. Uh, and it, does it live stream on Vimeo and Facebook, or just Facebook? Just Facebook. So uh, just, you can watch it on the website too. Right. 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 I, I think that's that's all through Vimeo. And so it's. It's really at this point kind of an afterthought for us. <laughs> we don't put any Somewhat. real emphasis on it. Somewhat. I mean, and, we uh, we've actually had conversations in the last couple of weeks about upgrading the camera. Um, toyed with the idea. I, I, I'm, I mean, we're not even remotely down the road on it yet. But toyed with the idea of maybe a, another camera with a different angle, mainly just to get a closer shot of the person who's teaching. Sure, mm. um, and so we've we you know we've to- it's not I wouldn't say it's an afterthought. I think it's a okay. That's fair. It's something that we started for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing it yeah. before because there was no need for it. We didn't we didn't see a need mm-hmm. for it. And then when COVID hit or the great cough, as John says, um, <laughs> Fauci's we, we uh, felt Fauci's we felt pet. like we needed to do it. Um, for the sake of people that didn't feel safe or were unable because of the great cough to come to church and in person. And it's lingered because um, it seems to be, this is where it's at in my mind right now, is it seems to be a good service to offer to mm-hmm. our people to be able to stay engaged, um, which it, which they could do by watching the sermon after the fact, when we, we which we still do this, is once the Sunday is over, we um, we edit the content, we take out everything but the sermon, and it gets posted on our website in our sermon catalog, so they could mm-hmm. watch it after the fact. Mm-hmm. But I've just heard enough from our people that when they're out of town or sick, they like to be able to watch it real time when when we're having service in in the sanctuary. Right. Uh, does that make give room for people to just be lazy and stay home? Probably. I don't think we have a huge problem of that though at Res. I'm not aware of any. I'm not personally. either. Uh, I, I I mean I I there were some rumblings of people saying, "Oh man, it's just so easy to stay home when everything first started in 2020." But to be honest with you, those people if they came back at all when we we uh, resumed in-person services, they didn't stay long. They're all gone. Mm, mm-hmm. The people that we have now are very faithful and loyal to be here yeah. unless they're out of town or sick. And um, so it seems to me like I, I, I think discernment with these kinds of things in a, a, an ongoing kind of discernment. It's like you know what you said, John, was really intriguing to me about people living way out um, in in Nebraska, unable to get to church, and and the live stream, God used it in a powerful way in those people's lives. But that doesn't mean He wants 
every church to have an air quotes yeah, online that, campus. Yeah, that's not that's not his preferred method of. <laughs> no, but I mean, neither is speaking through a donkey, but he will if he needs to. <laughs> right. 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 So I, I think we just we need to. The question is, has it outstayed its welcome? Well. I think that's layered because you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta explore. Okay, are we talking about the online campus vibe as a right. viable form of ministry? Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, uh, yeah, I think so too. Is the live streaming your services something that's a? I think everything should run through this filter in local church ministry. Everything is this going to serve the people the Lord has entrusted to us well or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you run it through that filter and it and it and it it passes the mustard, I, I as long as you're not violating scripture or uh, you know anything implicit, any implicit command in scripture, do it. Mm-hmm. Right, like mm-hmm. if it's if it's serving right. your people well in some way, and live streaming, you know, it's one of those things where it could serve our people well if if they use it correctly. Um, and right. at the same time, it could also be abused. But that's true of everything. Spiritual gifts serve people well, but they get abused, mm-hmm. right? You know, Paul says I mean, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good, and yet those same gifts can also be abused and be harmful to the common good. Hmm. That's very similar to a point that I was going to put out. Is uh, I mean, is is it an enabler of complacency, right? Uh, we were worried about that. Now, I'm, I'm not in any sort of formal leadership role right now with the church, so I, I, I'm not in the discussions. I don't hear the, too many of the administrative rumblings. Um, I know there was concern about how many people were going to come back. And just from my eye and my count, I'm like, yeah, they're back. They're back. Some have gone to other campuses, uh, you know, taken that time to be like, hey, you know, this is an opportunity for us to – you know, go to the South Campus because it's closer to us. And, you know, we haven't seen people in forever, so we can, you know, just uh, kind of rehome down there. Um, but yeah. I think there was the concern about enabling complacency and just, like we talked about in the early days, of like, you know, watching a church service does not inherently make you a member of that church or make, make you right. a member of that body of faith. It makes you a consumer of the activities of that body of faith. Um which has some validity, but is is far from the entire equation. Mm-hmm. And and I know for a fact, uh, John, I, I know you've referred to the great cough before also as the spicy cough. Um, mm. So I know for a fact that there were, there were people who just did not come back to our church after the spicy cough, whether they switched churches or just quit going to church altogether. You know, I'm not you know, assuming any motives for anybody, but there were people who didn't come back. We've also grown since then. So we've replaced them and then some. It's not to denigrate anybody, but I think some of that growth was due to people stumbling upon our live stream because Mm. they were in maybe, you know, since we talked about the megachurch thing last week, they were in a megachurch starving and they still weren't meeting they see that we're meeting. Let me check this thing out and watch it. Am I right on that? No, I think it's true. I mean, um, the, the live stream for us has been a gateway. Yeah. Um, um, that's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it has been a gateway. I don't know that it 
it in and of itself is as much right now. What what I've, I talked to a, a gentleman on Sunday who was visiting for the first time, and I, I went up, I, I introduced myself, he told me who he was, and immediately proceeded to tell me that he had watched the last three sermons before showing up at Res mm-hmm. for the first time this past Sunday. I think that's primarily what's happening now is that people are Googling, they find our website, mm-hmm. they aren't scrolling Facebook looking for church live streams. Right, 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 right. They, but they go to our website and they start watching sermons. They yep. watch, you know, and, and see what we're doing, what our teaching is like. And then they might read a little bit about children's ministry or whatever and then come visit if it passes the mustard for them. Um, so I don't know that the live stream is really even in and of itself a gateway anymore, or at least not as much. But it, from the reason we keep it right now is because, like I said, when our people who are a part of this church and are here in person on the regular are unable to be here, right? it is something they appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, more so than watching a sermon after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there is some level of appreciation of being able to watch it real time. Maybe there's a sense of connection with my church family, right? Where I'm normally I mean, in person. I, and I'm okay with that. Like if, if they're, they're thinking, you know, I can watch this while it's happening and at least feel somewhat of a part. Uh, we don't do, we don't have somebody watching the comments. You know, I, I, I see it, um, most of the time after the fact that, you know, somebody might say, hey, we're out of town, but we're watching. Mm-hmm. And maybe a, a, another person or two from the church will say, we miss you guys, but glad you're watching. You know, like that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think mean, that's a good thing. Your point about connection and being part of something, I think, has some validity. Uh, recently, I drove past the movie theater and I caught out of the corner of my eye a Metallica poster. I was like, well, that's weird. Uh, turns out Metallica's on a huge tour right now, big arena tour, and they just had a big show down in Texas, I think, last week. And that day, I heard on the radio on uh, um, 105.3 The Bone, and they were talking about, yeah, right, <laughs> they were talking about that concert in Texas was going to be live simulcast to all of the Marcus Theater's in well, all the big Marcus theaters in uh, in eastern Nebraska, so that if you wanted to go watch the show, you could go to the Marcus theaters, and I, I guess they were sold out because, I mean, Metallica is coming to uh, on the same tour, like to Kansas Kansas City or Omaha or something Omaha pretty soon. But which, by the way, I guess they you... wanted to see this one. I know, I know, Eric Calvert of Frost Giant Electronics, who you met uh, when you went mm-hmm. to Nam with me. Uh, yep. He went to see Pantera and Metallica at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And, sure. Uh, oh, my goodness. The stage setup was just ridiculous for that thing. Side note, carry on. <laughs> I've always I've always been entertained by, like, the big super bands that uh, have the stages. And, like, the band isn't, like, together. They're all on a weird different platforms. So, like. This isn't so much music as it is like the WWE facsimile of uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't like discount it like but it is obviously there for the show and not just for you know just for the music. Oh, right. absolutely. Um, but I you know I do like Metallica, so that's not discounting them. It's just the way it is. I mean, U two, another one of my favorite bands, did the same thing. Um, 
you know, I, uh, I do prefer kind of the rush sort of style, you know, where that's a band on a stage and the silly stuff's behind them, but you do it, you know, do what you're going to do. Uh, but yeah, I, there's something to that, that they had great numbers come to the theater simulcast of this live show, uh, which they could have sat in their basement and watched on their TV, you know, pay-per-view sort of thing. Um, but they didn't, they wanted to be, uh, part of it. And I wonder if part of it is they wanted to be together watching it. And so maybe that's the encouragement that if, you know, there's a, there's a question whether the live stream is, is being used responsibly. You know, maybe it's, are people just sitting, you know, kind of on their couch, sitting back with a bowl of frosted flakes on their gut, watching, uh, someone sing how he loves, or are they meeting with, you know, other people in their small town, or are they meeting with their small group that they're also on vacation with and kind of having a micro community there? Um, I don't know. Well, it, I don't know. you know, it, it, the more you talk about it, I think the more you're forced to think about the value of, um, a medium like, um, live streaming or even a simulcast or, um, you know, churches that have video campuses where, you know, one primary communicator is piped into multiple locations as opposed to multiple locations, each having their own in-person teacher. Um, Mm. like I think you, you, the more you talk about it, the more you, you get down to what's at the bottom of it, which is, um, and my personal opinion, there's just, I, I benefit from podcasts. Mm-hmm. I benefit from watching sermons that were delivered by very gifted and qualified teachers. Um, and I might watch something that, you know, Piper taught, you know, 16 years ago. <laughs> right. And, and have some benefit yeah. from that. But there is a much more robust and comprehensive benefit to being in person with an in-person with in-person people being used by the Holy Spirit in the ways that they're gifted to minister to the body. And, you know, like Paul says to, to the Romans, when he writes the letter, a letter that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, this is, you know, this the Bible's in a class all by itself in terms of it being, you know, uh, um, a method through which God communicates, uh, but even Paul, as he, under inspiration of the Spirit, writes Romans, he says, I long to come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you. That is, that we would experience mutual benefit. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul's expectation was arriving in Rome, meeting in person with the Roman Christians, was going to have a, a, a unique benefit, not over and above the inspired letter necessarily, but there there is something you know, inherently incarnational about the body of Christ ministering to one another in person. And I think you have to, you have to be clear about that. And, and, and I personally don't think we have to throw out mm-hmm. uses of video podcasts, you know, live stream, what have you, mm-hmm. in order to be really clear about the fact that the optimum, the, the norm should be in person and incarnational. Right. Yep. Let us not forsake meeting together as some are apt to do. That's right. Yes. Slightly out of context, but the spirit is there. Togetherness is important. 
mm-hmm. one final, a couple final thoughts from my side, if you don't mind, Cody. Go ahead. Um, there, none of us are are strangers to this phenomena, but everybody lives behind a screen. I mean, work from home is is definitely part of of that. Uh, seeing people in person has a totally different is a totally different experience yep. than seeing people in person. There's a I was recently out in Seattle a few weeks ago. There was a manager or is a manager on on the database engineering team that I do tons of work for for their team. I mean, infrastructure builds and architecture designs and stuff like that. And I'm in meetings on the regular with this person at least two times a week. And my camera is always on. She had no idea who I was mm. when we met in person. Mm. There, I mean, that's very much a, okay, the camera angle, the lighting, you know, it's all, you know, the context, it's all different. Uh, the way the microphone makes your voice sound. But there is something to being together is different and more real. Obviously, we all know don't get bent out of shape by people posting things on Instagram because that's going to be their, you know, that's their greatest hits album, right? Is <laughs> you, you, you only see the, the beaches of a vacation, right? You don't see the flight delays, mm-hmm. your, your, your kid that had an accident in the middle of the terminal. Like you don't see those things. Like, like in general, they're not being shared. When we're trapped behind a screen, we miss out on the reality yep. of it. Yeah. So, and uh, when you mentioned the piece about, you know, gleaning benefit from, from Piper sermons from 16 years ago, there is something, there is an opportunity here for churches that maybe are at the end of their live stream journey, but have all of this video content now uh, yep. for years. Churches, especially churches that excel in long form uh, expository preaching. I mean, multiple months working through a book, right? You could take those sermons and you could edit them into a study that then you could put on a DVD and put in your church library. So people can go back and and just, I mean, DVD probably doesn't make sense anymore, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, some, sort, some sort of archive where everything's been tied together, yeah. curated, so that if people say, hey, pastor, I really have questions about, uh, about First Peter. And you talk to him a little bit. It's like, if you want to learn more, a few years ago, we really, really took a deep dive into First Peter, and it's available, you know, at this link, and just, you know, you can you can study along with us as we do that. Mm-hmm. There could be some benefits there to use this accumulated content to the benefit of the people of God. Yeah, yeah. So to answer the overall question of, are they doing more harm than good? Not necessarily. There's, no. there's plenty of good that can be done with live streams. It just depends on how you do it, what your motives are, yeah. and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Use it if you need to. Don't use it if you don't want to. Problem solved. <laughs> we could have we could have taken 30 seconds for that. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Inquisition? Sure. And this is the Inquisition, where we answer the questions that you throw at us on the fly, and you submit those questions every week on Mondays when I make a post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. And as is tradition, we have a question from Brian Morris. This is going to be fun. How should pastors and teachers 
address matters of textual criticism from the pulpit. And so he specifically cites things uh, like Luke twenty-two forty-three through 44. That's apparently a pretty significantly debated uh, text. That's uh, Jesus sweating drops of blood in the garden. Uh, Mark 16, 9 through 20, uh, known in the textual critical mm. world as the long ending of Mark. You have the Johannine comma, uh, so 1 John 5, 7 through 8, uh, which is in the King James, but not in most of the other uh, more modern translations, or the Pericope Adultere, which is John 8, uh, the woman caught in adultery. So, what do we do with those from the pulpit? Because I, I know, Bradley, you didn't touch Luke 22. Uh, I wasn't even aware that there was a debate over that particular text. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends on the text, um, yeah. and it depends on what you're doing. Um, you know, if if I, th- I can't remember what I did when we talked through the Gospel of Mark, I know I addressed it. You addressed it and said at the time. I don't know if your opinion has changed since then. Uh, you gave support for the long ending of Mark. Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't think I've changed on that. Okay. Um, I, I mean. I think it's a it's a worthy debate, but uh, sure. Um, I think there's enough. I think there's, you know, something like the long ending of Mark needs addressing because there's enough textual criticism to to. I, I can see both sides, mm-hmm. and I have pastor friends. We have friend churches uh, here in town that have taught through Mark, and they say we're not going to touch the long ending. We're we're stopping at whatever verse that is. Is mm-hmm. it eight? Um, yep. we're stopping at verse eight because we don't think this is inspired text. Okay. But I think you got to make the case for that. Right. Um, and, and whereas, you know, the, the couple of verses in Luke 22, um, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel the need to really address that. Um, mm-hmm. because there's not, there, there's not a, there's not any doctrine. There's really no doctrine that right. hinges on any of these. Right. But right. sometimes people are going to have questions like, why, why are, why did the verse numbers? Why did it skip two or three verses? Or, you know, why, why is this in brackets in my Bible? Uh, you know, things like that. I think it, it, there, there are reasons that you could say it's helpful for mm-hmm. me to say, look, here's the arguments, and here's what we believe as a church, and here's why. Like, you can give yeah. a little bit of context, and you might do it outside of Sunday morning. Like offer if you feel like hey I want to deal with this content and not lose a third of my sermon time by having to lay out a textual argument. Right. Do it, offer you know, a podcast or a Sunday school class or a different setting where you um, you you go into more detail for those that really want to know. That would be my advice. Right. I mean, I think. I mean, Brian does like to go. You know, very deep into it into a topic. So this probably is especially circumcision, right? That's that's his favorite. Mm. I mean, people are like, "Can we just talk about just the tip of the issue?" And he's like, "No, whole thing." Is he a mutilator of the flesh? <laughs> oh, I just did I'm Philippians. Glad. Like, yeah, oh, watch yeah. out for the dogs, <laughs> evil doers, like, like Brian Morris, <laughs> mutilators of the flesh. <laughs> Should give him a T-shirt for that. Um, <laughs> mutilator of the flesh. Brian Sounds Morris. like a grindcore. As is, just on the front. We are the know, circumcision. Of the flesh on the on the. If we are the circumcision on the back, as is tradition or something. Yeah. Um, the uh, 
I think there is something to be said about if you're walking through adjacent passages and you come to you come to this and the pew bibles are are probably going to say does not exist in some manuscripts or in some manuscripts reads as blah um or if people are used to the kjv and they see one thing but you know and in, in what you're saying it doesn't say the other it is going to raise some questions and so do you just kind of say hey there is some debate on this and just kind of leave that and then address it later do you stay completely clear of it uh so as not to introduce a layer of unnecessary confusion in the midst of teaching because there's no doctrinal really difference right but it is important that we focus on what is and what isn't inspired scripture mm -hmm. i i almost wonder if as we're teaching we say by the way this part may or may not actually be <laughs> canonical <laughs> scripture but moving on and there was like what yeah you know it's, I, it, it's an it's, it's an unexpected thing because the congregation expects what is written what is read from scripture to be scripture without question yeah and, and as uh, brad and as bradley said no there are no core doctrines of the christian faith that ride on any of these texts at all uh i th i think probably the the weakest obviously first john five like probably was, pretty much was not inspired scripture it was a gloss it was a note that appeared in the fourth century uh but in terms of the other two the the weaker ones being the long ending of mark and and the woman caught in adultery uh you can at least make a case that the story in john 8 probably happened even yeah. even if it's not inspired scripture which you know i know there's all kinds of implications for that and and whatever uh but i think kind of the 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 takeaway is our people aren't stupid right. <laughs> and, like uh, like i help i help with the high schoolers on uh, the second and third sundays uh when when they meet and they're not morons they can handle things and i think our by and large our people can handle you know hey there are some questions here here's here's how i'll argue it and we can move on yeah yeah i mean having being mindful of where your congregation is at on average right yeah. is is important there your congregation or your small group or or what have you i don't think i don't think the concern should be dismissed uh nor do i think that uh, everything should just be accepted, but I think there is a time and a place to address those things. And yeah. more often than not, it's sounding like during the middle of the homily is probably not the best place to address <laughs> those things in a long form format, but they can be acknowledged in, in a healthy way. Um, just don't say, by the way, people disagree on whether this is actually the Bible and then moving on, <laughs> right? There's, there's a happy middle ground yeah. between, uh, uh, between the extremes there. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there. I know we're running right up against time for you two. And not you two as in Bono and The Edge and those guys. But anyway. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll just carve that up. The Inquisition and all that good stuff. So go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next time. Nice. Glad I was able to make it. Um, I'll probably be out next week. Uh,